We turn now to the Gospel of Matthew, book 13. Let us listen for the word of the Lord. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which someone found and hid. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had, and he bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. And when it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down, and put the good into baskets but threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all of this? They answered, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every disciple who has been trained for the kingdom, sorry, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of his household who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A mighty mustard shrub is our God, a seed that's never failing. This sounds a little bit ridiculous, especially with my voice right now. We never sing this. We never sing songs or hymns to the mightiness of a shrub. We might have heard the image of the mustard seed before, uses a comfort that God can bring big things out of small things. But we rarely go on to use the image of a shrub, even the greatest of shrubs, as Jesus says here, as a profession of faith in a powerful God. It sounds a little ridiculous to do such a thing. And indeed, it probably sounded just as ridiculous in Jesus' day. Those who were listening to Jesus would know what a mustard shrub looks like, They would know it is hardly a majestic plant. Indeed, those hearing this parable might have been able to see a twinkle in Jesus' eye as he describes this parable. And then Jesus goes on to describe yeast tucked away into flour. He says the woman mixes three measures, which we should note is not three cups. Indeed, three measures would probably add up to about 50 pounds of flour. Listeners might have given a bit of a guffaw out loud at that one. What sort of party is this woman throwing, and can we get an invite? The jokes keep coming from Jesus. One guy sells everything he has for just one field, and the merchant, well, merchants in the ancient world had about as many jokes about them as lawyers have today, And so now Jesus is saying that a merchant is willing to risk everything for a pearl? Ha! People must have nudged each other, giving an exaggerated wink 
a grin on their faces. Even the warning in this passage, the words about judgment, that people will be divided and there will be a time of judgment, that fish will be sorted out. I don't know about you, but Jesus' words still end up giving me a funny mental image of angels plopped down in the muck, sorting fish on a dock, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. The kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. Not everyone understands what these comparisons mean. Ridiculous and funny as they might have seemed Even then, Jesus keeps going. He keeps layering on story after story, painting pictures, trying to describe a kingdom unlike any that we've known before, trying to get us to imagine a time when God has the final word and the weird and the crazy and the downright ridiculous are the closest to showing us the truth. The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. And indeed, not everyone gets these images, and not everyone wants to listen to Jesus sharing about them. The story that comes next in Matthew is the part where Jesus tries to go back to his hometown to preach, and he confronts stiff opposition. This is a quote. Is this the carpenter's son, people say, Is not his mother called Mary? Are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all of this? He might have well have said, is he really trying to preach to us? We remember him when? We remember when he was a boy. So I personally just have to say, can you imagine trying to go back and preach at the place where you were a child? Where, where people remember you running around in the hallways and picking wax off of Advent candles and chopping up ice from the ice bowl to make lemonade slushies at coffee hour? Can you imagine trying to preach in the very same place where in 1994 you were the bossy angel in the children's masterpiece, musical masterpiece called Jonah and the Whale? Can you imagine the gall? That would be ridiculous. (laughs) But Jesus goes back to his home region and his hometown, and he doesn't hold back. He doesn't water down his words in order to make them less strange. He pulls out a whole pack of weird and wondrous parables that push the limits of our logic. He deals them out one after another, Until 2,000 years later, we are still trying to get a hold of them. We could spend an entire sermon, entire sermon series on just one of these parables, one of these comparisons. The kingdom of heaven is like. We could work very hard to figure out what each parable means exactly and then wrap it up in a nice shiny bow, put it aside, and get on with our week. People have done this for generations, They've picked which words of Jesus to take symbolically and which to take literally. They've skimmed over the words that they didn't like and held so tightly to the ones that justify their position at the time. 
For instance, how often have we heard the judgment of God described as an actual place filled with flames? And yet, we are not often told that the kingdom of heaven is actually a fishnet. We don't hear street corner preachers proclaiming that you better turn and repent or you'd end, you won't be able to go to the giant, damp fish trawler at the end of times. I'm not saying that these words of scripture aren't true. I am saying that they hold more truth than we can even know, than we might originally understand. We might think that we, all we have to do is go off into our own little private corner and mull over these words all on our own, and then we can come out knowing exactly what they say. People certainly do this all the time. But what happens more often, what is more exciting, what is more life-giving about faith and religion and hope is when we sit down with other people and read a passage again and again and again and find ourselves starting to think, huh, maybe there's something more here. Maybe I don't have it so right after all. Maybe there is more to learn, more to uncover. What do you think? Maybe we should read that again. The kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like a mighty mustard shrub, a bankrupting pearl, a fishy net. Jesus pours out an abundance, a richness of images, and the point is not to let us pick and choose which ones we want to take literally, The point is not to pick and choose which ones make sense to us, which ones we can reasonably understand. Jesus is trying to challenge us here to confront us with the ridiculous and the strange and to say, what if God is like this? The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. What if the point of Jesus, of coming to church, is not to send us away with more answers, to not send us into the week with our own packet of fill-in-the-blank responses? What if the point of Jesus, the point of coming to church, the point of gathering together, is to send us into the week with more questions? What if the point of Jesus is to fill us up with a sense of wonder, a sense that there is something more wondrous and weird about the life of faith, that we might want to share it with others, that we want to return to this person that we hear about in the scriptures, that we want to return to this community, return to this worshiping space week after week in order to find out what questions other people have about the Bible, about faith, about doubt, about the world, about God about each other. Scholars who have studied these passages for decades, no, millennia, still do not have all neat and tidy answers. Here's some of the questions that they ask. Why does Jesus call the mustard seed the greatest of shrubs when it really isn't that impressive? There are many more majestic plants in the ancient world. Why does the woman need 50 pounds of flour. How did the man find that treasure in the field? Was he just a poor worker there? As for the merchant, 
How on earth can we condone his action as a good investment? I mean, what is he going to do now? How literally are we to take those fiery furnaces? And do the disciples really understand all this? I mean, really? Or are they just saying yes to impress Jesus? When we read the parables, questions abound, confusion compounds. We can have the wisdom of Solomon and the presence of Jesus right in front of us, and still we want to ask more, to seek more, to keep on hoping for more glimpses of the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus keeps going on, pouring out words and images, an abundance of creativity, a richness of imagination, trying to illuminate the ridiculous majesty of a kingdom whose glory we have only just started to grasp. Because here is the truth. The Spirit of God will not give up. The Spirit of God in Christ will not give up on us. The Spirit is endlessly creative endlessly willing to try new angles, make new attempts to get our attention, to get our hearts and minds and bodies working once more for this kingdom. Nothing will make Christ give up on us, not our apathy or our cruelty or our indifference, not our hopelessness or our busyness, not even our broken confusion and our inevitable affection for easy answers. The Spirit keeps on trying to get our attention. Jesus keeps trying to confound our expectations. God keeps drawing us back to ask more questions again and again and again. So we hear these parables, and they don't paint reasonable images of might and majesty. But instead, they give us small, slightly ridiculous, commonplace pictures After all, these parables describe the stuff of our everyday lives, the stuff of our backyards and our kitchen counters and our lakeside docks. These parables name the things that we might take for granted, and then he puts them together in odd ways and try, trying to give us a glimpse of what God is doing. Like treasure buried, yeast hidden, a seed planted, God's kingdom will come. It is already here, among us, doing its work in the dark, slowly and steadily transforming everything we know. God's kingdom will come. It is only a matter of time. I wonder where you see glimpses of the kingdom of heaven in your life right now. Only glimpses. I wonder what odd and wondrous story you are being told by an odd and wondrous storyteller. I wonder what ridiculous thing God is using to get your attention. I wonder what questions you are asking about your place in God's plan to change the whole world. I wonder how God is calling to you right here, right now. The kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, 
Nothing we have ever known. Nothing we can yet explain. The kingdom of heaven is like the scratches in our shrubbery, the bread at our table, the dirt in our backyard, the fish and the salt of the sea. The kingdom of heaven is like you and me and every transformed treasure of creation, new and old. How ridiculous. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, what odd and wondrous words you give us today. May we seek to be inspired to serve you out in the world by them. May we seek to follow you to a place where we can ask more questions. May we seek to follow you to the place where we can wonder once again at your feet how to be disciples, new and old, out in the world. Amen.